Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's October 27, 2017. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. You're staying busy. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, last show of the year from my Thunder Valley hotel room. And then uh, flying home tonight, and then uh, off to Ohio on Thursday for uh, uh, Ohio State football. You, you've hey. got you've got like more miles than George Clooney in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, the wife's not happy because I get back from that. I'm home for a couple of days, and then I'm off to Pearl River for our AUPT event there, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. And then home from that, and back to Ohio again for a couple of days, and oh, then man. then I think I'm home for a month into our cruise. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, you know we're not getting any younger, right? No. So it's, uh, I used to enjoy every minute of this, and now not that I don't enjoy it, but it's uh, it's getting tougher as yeah, we uh, I imagine advance in age. So <laughs> a lot a lot of falling asleep at eight o'clock, and people next day, why did you go to bed at eight o'clock? Because I'm <laughs> forty five years old, and I'm on the road half a year. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, <clears throat> we as I said, we're out here at Thunder Valley. We just wrapped up the latest Antioch NorCal Classic. Always fun out here, and uh, very excited for our champion of the main event this year, Jamie Haltke. Um He outlasted Justin Mackey in a very long heads-up battle. Uh, but a couple cool things about uh, Haltke. He was the uh, runner-up in the 2016 Anti-Up World Championship main event, also here at Thunder Valley. And if you remember, that was somewhat controversial for us because the he, he had a huge suck-out. He would have won. He had the guy like dead to rights, like with a two outer or something, right? Uh-huh. Uh, the guy hits the two outer and then comes back to beat him, and that was the guy who refused to have his photo on the cover of the magazine. Oh yeah. So he got robbed of the cover at that point by a two outer, and then it took him uh, another fourteen months or so to win and get back on the finally to get the cover he wanted. <laughs> and uh, it was also his birthday. That always that never happens, right? Wow. So, that's very so I tell you, uh, when when you hear stories like that. Uh, it's funny how people still think that poker is luck. Yes. These people get back to the final table. They get back and they win the event that eluded them, and they, they make multiple final tables in one series or whatever. And it's like, yeah, these guys aren't just, like, incredibly lucky. You know, it, it, this, yeah, what are they, just, just the ten luckiest players in the world? Yeah, exactly. To quote Mike McDermott, I mean, it, seriously, it, this is some serious skill here. And that, congrats, hats off, man. That's pretty sick. Yeah, and then third place was Paul Richardson. He came into the um, day two with a massive chip lead. He had like 600 and some thousand chips and was dominating all day and then, you know, got to the final table and unfortunately didn't work out for him. But yeah. um, very impressive victory for uh, for Jamie. Very excited for him. Uh, he gets uh, not only will he be on the cover of the uh, December issue of Anti-Up, but he also won a seat in the Anti-Up World Championship for 2018 coming up. So he'll be back at Thunder Valley next year, as we all will. And, uh, and of course, his champion's jacket as well, too. So, yep. <clears throat> um, uh, just a couple of little extra stories uh, about my play this week. Uh, once again, I, I went over here at Thunder Valley, which is kind of rare for me in tournaments, but I only played uh, three this time. So it wasn't like um, some of those runs where I go 10 tournaments with nothing. <laughs> <clears throat> um, but I uh, did play a little cash, and, um, you know, I love the Omaha 8 game here. And I actually I only got to play for a couple hours one night um, until it closed down. And talk about going to bed at 8 p.m. I uh, I was playing Omaha 8, right? And then uh, the, the cocktail waitress came around with last call for beer, <clears throat> which I've never seen before in my life. <laughs> wow. At a poker table. And I'm like, all right, so I got my beer. And then she came around a little later and she's like, yeah, I need to take a glass. Because like an hour after last call, they had to clean all 
any any evidence of alcohol off of the gaming floor. Right. So if you got a bottle, you got a glass or anything like that, whether you got anything left or not, they got to take it from you. So I'm like, all right, wow. And I'm like, so because you know when I play cash, like the whole time I'm I'm tuned into my Netflix watching something, so I don't have a, a clock on. I'm not paying attention to anything else, right? <clears throat> so I'm like, all right, well, it must be kind of late. And then I was finishing up this great series called Ozark on Netflix, and uh, so the game broke. And I'm like, all right, so I'm actually watching it on my phone as I go up to the room, <laughs> get into bed and finish the the last uh, 20 minutes of it. And then I'm like, I wonder what time it is. Turned it off, and I'm like, it was 3:30. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so you said you've never you've never been in uh, anywhere where they said last call and, and oh, playing poker. For poker. That's what I mean for poker, though. I mean that, that's the first time you ever heard that. Well, because lots of places uh, they don't. I'm like in Vegas, they don't turn the alcohol off ever. Right, so right. Oh, there, and um, so it would have to be some places where they actually sit, cut it off. But so the real question so. is: Have you ever heard them say "last call" and you didn't get that last beer? Oh, of course not. No, it's like Pavlov. <laughs> you always got to get that beer. It's like Pavlov, right? Yeah, I'm like, oh, I get fed right now. It's like Pavlov. <laughs> yeah, give me whatever I had and keep them coming. <clears throat> um, but yeah, so that that's kind of the the nature of. Uh, high velocity travel at age 45, you either go to bed at 8 p.m. or 3.30 a.m. Yeah. You have no idea what time it is either way. But, <laughs> uh, but I, I, nothing really uh, um, exciting in Omaha 8, but there were two hands. And again, I only played for a couple hours. But I went on two hands with two pair. Scooped them. Jeez. No well. And, you know, it's one of those where you, you, it, it checks around on the river and you turn it over like you're waiting for the dealer just to grab your cards and you go back to watch my Netflix. And next thing I know, there's chip being pushed my way. And I'm like, pair. wow, I won that? And I'm like, I looked up and no one else had chips pushed up. I'm like, wait a minute, I scooped that? <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, that, that's really the, the highlight of my playing for this trip. But, Jeez. Um, but normally uh, I'm on a plane like literally two hours after the main event ends and flying back. But this time I had an extra day, so I um, decided to stick around an extra day. So, um, you know, Bender, when the great director of poker up here, become a real good friend of mine. Uh, we love wine, and uh, so we stuck around for a day, and we drove down to our favorite winery, Michael David, uh, down in Lodi, and had a little uh, guy's trip, you know, to the winery <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yesterday. Uh, so I had fun, and then uh, we got back, and I'm like, you know, hey, is there a tournament tonight? And he's like, well, no, the series is over, idiot. I'm like, no, I don't mean an Annie up tournament. <laughs> idiot. <laughs> he called you an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I called him an idiot. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, no, maybe, well, we go to each other, idiots. How about that? We were drinking wine, right? Uh, right, right. Um, I'm like, no, do you have a, your, your daily tournament start again? I've never been here when it's not been an Annie Up event. And he's like, oh, yeah, you're, that's right. There is. A, it's, a, it's a $25 buy-in. And I'm like, $25? <clears throat> even even as bad as I ran this week, I can afford $25. And then it's unlimited rebuys uh, for the first hour. You can either rebuy – you can buy 1,000 chips for $10 or 2,000 chips for $20. And then there's a uh, – you can do an add-on at the end depending on how many chips you have. You can either do 10 or 20 depending, you know, if you're low on chips, you can do the whole 20. If not, you can do 10, right? Right. I'm like, all right. And I've been drinking wine all day. Got back to the casino. had a couple beers, my cigar. I was happy. <laughs> so then I'm like, I'll fire off this 25 bucks. And, and um, so the funny thing is uh, I played pretty well at the beginning. I was stacking up. I was a chip leader at my table the entire time, uh, two to break. And at the break, uh, we were, so I never rebought. I was only in for the 25. Uh, at the uh, break, I what I can do is add on, and they're like, "Well, you've got too many chips to do the twenty, so you can only do 10 I'm like, "All right, so give me ten. So I'm in for this thing for thirty-five dollars, right? Oh man! <laughs> and I'm the chip leader at my table um, after the break with thirteen big blinds. <laughs> <laughs> So this is not a deep stack tournament. You're not. You would expect it at twenty five dollar buy in, right? But that's just the nature of it. So the funny thing is, so we get back from the break, and I'm like, I'm in older shove mode right now, right? I got less than fifteen big blinds, and I'm the chip leader at the table. <laughs> so everybody should be in folder shove mode. So it's an all in or fold tournament now. <clears throat> exactly. Except nobody else at the table got the memo. Oh wow! It was amazing to me to sit here and watch these players. Do uh, not even just limping, but would do like three X opens. Yeah, had ten big blinds, <laughs> and then someone would raise them again, which almost puts that person all in. And the guy would have to sit and think, "Oh man, do I want to commit now?" I'm like, "You already did." And uh, so it was a really interesting. Um, I wish I would have lasted, but you know, with that thing, you have to shove and fold. So I shoveled Ace Jack of Hearts and got a woman to call a King Nine off. 
And, uh, of course, she spiked a king and uh, left me with one ship. And then I got it in on the next hand lost. So I was out. But So I didn't last as long as I wanted to. But it was really interesting to watch the dynamic of this tournament where I don't think anybody understood what should be happening there. I mean, it I, really should have been all in the fold, as you mentioned. At that I'm point. starting to wonder if uh, – well, I'm not starting to wonder. I'm pretty sure that people who are entering $25 tournaments are exactly uh, – Not the most sophisticated Sophisticated or, or, you know – Learned in the nuances of big blinds and M's and stuff, and you know, what I mean, they want to get their value for their twenty-five slash thirty-five dollars. It's funny, yeah. you're like, you did the add-on, you still only had thirteen big blinds. <laughs> That's just <laughs> hilarious. Um, but yeah, I, I I can understand it. People trying to milk the the cow as long as they can. And, yeah, and, and I think you're right. I think that's probably what it is. Is that this is a an enjoyment night for these are not the people that are going to get knocked out and and go. You know, buying for five hundred dollars a two five no limit game right. when you get knocked out. So this is probably their Monday night out, and if that's the case, then you just want to hold on to your ships as long as possible, which is interesting because then your strategy should be to, at that point, I mean, already the strategy was a show, but you know, maybe you open up your range a little bit more, maybe, right? Yeah, at least. Yeah, at least in position, maybe you're 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 shoving uh, anything from the cutoff in, you know, cutoff hijack button. Well, the real fact—the real fact that we all want to know that you didn't reveal yet—was whether or not you ran to Paul Giamatti. <laughs> no, we did not have any Merlots. So, no, uh, no, <laughs> no Sandra O. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> no guzzling from the spit bucket once you've had enough. That movie was horrible. Oh man! But I tell you, this Michael David Winery—if you guys get up to Loda, it is great. First of all, I love every single wine that they ever put out. Um, it's amazing, and a lot of them are, are very inexpensive too. So it's not a. I mean, they have some really nice high-end wines. But is that your yeah. full disclosure statement there? <laughs> That's your favorite wine, so that you, we're not well, getting any no, endorsement you know, I got from a them. Reputation here, right? And my reputation is of drinking bad beer, which is correct. Right. But if you really want to get into the inside of my head, the the proper description of me would be: I enjoy bad beer, good wine, and great scotch. So it's wow. not that I'm a bottom feeder on everything I do. Right standards so wine i like good wine i don't like bad wine i don't necessarily need to buy great wine and if i'm having scotch it's got to be really good wow and if it's beer you know if you put an ipa that costs 12 dollars in front of me i'm going to kick you so <laughs> scott onion long i'm going to call you now so many <laughs> layers <laughs> uh, but no this winery they had like a playground for kids and like a big uh, waterfall and lake feature and and a restaurant that was amazing. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's just I I need to start doing this winery thing more often. So but. that's they have to do at your your local bar is have a playground in the background for kids. <laughs> While Daddy gets hammered, go down the slide. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> better than leaving the kids in the car, right? Oh man. Uh, but anyhow, so the uh, the NorCal Classic will move to May next year, so it'll be our next event here at the at uh, Thunder Valley, um, and then the Antioch World Championship. Uh, again, as always, we'll be at Thunder Valley. We'll start and end in July for the first time. So this is kind of interesting. So next year, um, our two Thunder Valley events will literally bookend the World Series of Poker. So yeah. come here to the World Series of Poker, go to the World Series of Poker, come back here and have fun. So that's going to be interesting next year. Hmm. <clears throat> All right, and then the Pearl River Poker Open, Antia Poker Tour Series, as we mentioned at the top of the show, kicks off on October 26th. So that's Thursday, depending on whenever you're listening to this show. Right. Um, and runs through November 5th. The winner of the $800 buy-in main event, which has four starting flights, will appear on the January cover of Antia Magazine and also obviously get a seat in the Antia World Championship of Thunder Valley. Um, I'll be getting there the day before the main event and staying to the end. So if you're there, say hi. And for more information on that series, visit antiupmagazine.com slash Pearl River. Exciting. Very exciting. Yes. You know, it's like one on top of another here in the series. I know. Then our our schedule for next year is already coming together, and it's going to be really nice, I think. Hopefully, we've got a couple announcements coming soon. Yep. All right. And then uh, for a little fun today, uh, Poker Pro Joey Ingram has taken a prop bet to become fluent in Mandarin in one year. To collect $45,000, he needs to post a 30-minute YouTube video speaking in fluent Mandarin within one year, or he loses $7,500. Pro plans to watch movies, listen to music, and spend several months in China, expecting that it'll take him 2,000 hours of work to become fluent. This is a lot of work for forty-five grand. <laughs> you know, so here I did the math, and, and, and then I forgot to write down the math, but it's roughly 
twenty two dollars an hour. It is. It's twenty two fifty an hour. Twenty two fifty an hour, right? Yeah. Which is not a great hourly rate for a poker pro, I wouldn't think. Uh, not a bad rate for normal people, I guess. So, um, but here's the thing I like about it is that you know we had the chicken nugget guy a little bit ago. Um, you know, a couple of these other ones that there's no nothing positive comes out of the bet other than exchange of money, right? Mm-hmm. This, even if the guy fails, and I don't think he will, he probably will become pretty close to fluent. You know, he just unless he just spends a month and says, I'm never going to be able to do this and quits. So he's actually learning a skill, and then he's getting, uh, you know, I wouldn't mind getting paid $22.50 an hour to become fluent in Mandarin. I think this guy's right. He, he originally thought about doing Spanish and then decided that was too easy, So, and that Mandarin would be more valuable. And I think as we get... Uh, older um, and the world changes, Mandarin will be much more valuable. So, plus all the poker in China. <laughs> That's true, right? No, I'm serious. He's a poker pro. <laughs> no, that's exactly. That's what makes it easy for him yeah. to go over there. Yeah, yeah. Be over there and, and not just you know hang out and, and uh, have General Zhao's chicken, but he's gonna be able to actually play poker while he's over there. So, and so if he loses, he spends seventy five hundred. Which he could probably buy about eight or nine of those Rosetta Stone courses. <laughs> which don't work, apparently. But, but, yeah. Which apparently, I don't know. They work pretty well, I guess. I, 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 I have on one, but. Depends on how you are and how you learn. Yeah, so, exactly. For some people, it's great. Some people, it's terrible. <clears throat> but he could yeah. also just have someone who speaks Mandarin write a phonetically spelled out speech. <laughs> and just practice. Then yeah. he could just practice that on the YouTube thing, get his money, and then just say, oh, you know, it's like anything else. If you don't stay sharp with it, you lose it. So I forgot how to say it. <laughs> Speak Mandarin, sorry, but I'll keep your money in an account. I, I didn't spend all day yesterday, so I lost it. Sorry, so. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but that's cool. That sometimes people need that motivation. That's why they do it with the weight loss and stuff. People need yeah, the motivation to do something, and he really wants to speak uh, Mandarin. This will do it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm all you know. I'm, I'm normally anti these profits because it makes us all look like gamblers and crazy idiots. Uh, and why they ask me poker players in general when when the general public hears about this stuff, but. Um, I do appreciate the weight loss ones, the, this one. Any, anything that actually betters you as a person and gets you money, I'm in favor of. But uh, the chicken nuggets and those things, I can do without. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, the prop bet I did with Faso, it made us both better That's shape. Fun. We ran and, you know, we got in a good shape. And he, he said he'd rather spend 100 bucks and lose to me than spend that money on a membership and then never go to the gym, you know, or something. What? So. Yeah, so yeah. That, it works out when when it, when it's easy to kind of right. The chicken nuggets one, that one, yeah, could have could have done without that one. But uh, all right, yeah, any right. updates? People are free to do what they want. Not criticizing. <clears throat> just, uh, yeah, right. I no. The poker bets that actually have a benefit beyond money. Right. Uh, Hollywood Casino Aurora near Chicago will be awarding ten Annie Up Poker Cruise balcony packages for our December 11th sailing to Jamaica and Haiti in a mega free roll on November 12th. The 100 players with most cash game hours logged during the promotion period will earn a seat, as well as 30 players who win their way in through three monthly free rolls. Players can earn seats in the monthly free rolls by logging at least 60 hours of cash game play in a month or by playing on all Wednesday tournaments during the month. For more information, visit AnnieUpCruises.com. Listeners have flooded us with hands of the week, but we're still in need of listener spotlight and call to floor submissions. So email us at podcast at com or post in the Antiup group discussions at pokerradius.com. Each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with call to floor and hand of the week, we send them something cool. This is Ed Rindler. He said there's a poker club near him that uh, does no rate cash games. They've been spreading 6-12 horse, uh, and he wants to know what the recommendation for a buy-in for that game uh, is, for that size. He hasn't run into many limit games over the years, so he uh, thinks that the amount of bets needed is lost on him. I, I, I never know what to say to something like this, because really, I always think about the, I guess I think about the max amount you could bet on one round, one whole, one whole hand. And then maybe a few more bets after that, because how many times you, you know, and then after that, if it gets below that, you just keep adding to it. There's no reason you can't. Yeah, I think this is an interesting dilemma that I see no limit players have is because of no limit. It's there's a lot of consideration going into what you buy in for. You know, obviously you have the the min max, so you got to work within that. But then you got to decide, you know, do you want to be a short stack? And or do you want to buy it for the max and have the most pressure to put on people? So there's a lot going on in that. 
<clears throat> and then so when people ask, what, what are you buying for a limit game? I almost kind of like, huh? <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't really matter because the bets are kind of fixed. So, I mean, I guess the best advice I give folks is exactly what you said, is that you always want to have as much money. If you can afford it, you always want to have as much money on the table as what a max hand would be. And you would know because you know how many, depending on how many raises are in that room, you know, if it's a bet in three raises on every street, then you could do the math, and that's how much you should always have in front of you. That way you never go um, – you're never all in for less when you have an amazing hand. Right. Um, so in this game, what, the max preflop would be 40, uh, 12, so 4 times uh, <coughs> 6 if it's 4 whatever. So you're looking at $24 bucks pre preflop, right? Yeah, so and 24 after the flop, plus 48. So 48 so 3. So, so yeah, so I mean, if you have like 150 yeah, in front of you, you know, you, you're going to be fine. Right, and then you can always, you know, after the hand's over, if you if you, if you go all the way and 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 let's be honest, there's almost very unlikely that a hand is going to be max bet the entire time. So, but if you uh, at the end of the hand, you can always peel off more money. So right, and that's uh, flop games yeah. too, by the way. That's not even the stud games. Like that's true. Stud games will be more because of the extra street. But you're never going to get it max every street in stud. It's just not going to happen. Um, so I think 150 is plenty for that game. Yeah. So. I- Normally, uh, for four eight, I'll do a hundred. Sometimes I'll do a two hundred just if I'm feeling squirrely. Uh, Six twelve, I think two hundred is yeah. is exactly what I would buy in for. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I kind of do in those games, just so I don't have to constantly keep track of my chips, is if it's a room that allows a hundred dollar bills to play, what I'll do is I'll take a hundred dollar bill and put it underneath my chips. So I'll buy in for my two hundred in chips, and I have a hundred dollar bill underneath there. That way, if I ever forget. Where I am in my chip stack, I always have that hundred. That's at the bottom. When I get to the bottom of my chip, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm still in. Whenever we talk about limit, I always think of when I was playing in the World Series at in Vegas, and you came in and you were playing the cash games, and I could see when I finally got moved. It was like my third table I got moved to. I could see it over you in the cash games, and you had what looked like. Did you ever? Did you ever see Pink Floyd live, Scott? No, sorry. So I saw Pink Floyd live during the wall, mm-hmm. and they during the during the concert they literally built a wall made out of big wow. white bricks, and it entire it covered the entire stage from floor to ceiling. And well, we then they took it down. Save a lot of money if you could put it on the border. <laughs> but that's what you looked like <laughs> when you were playing that. You were playing like a huge game like that too. It was like eight sixteen or something. And you had all white chips. And I looked over, and I'm like, where's Scott? And I'm like, oh, he's building <laughs> condos over there with his chips. I'll never forget that day. I was playing, I think it was, like I said, I think it was my third table in that, that No Limit event that I entered. And I looked over, and there you are behind this wall of chips. And I think yeah. Scott had enough chips that day to get through the 816 <laughs> limit game he was playing. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's almost ridiculous, too, when somebody has that many chips. I really like the rooms that once you get to that point, the chip runner comes over and asks to color up and, yeah. you know, We'll give you a stack of red for a rack of white, and so it keeps it manageable. So you're not like because it, it gets ridiculous at that point. I mean, it's kind of cool to look at and I look at my wall, um, but then you're starting encroaching on other people's play area, and it's hard to look at your cards because you're reaching over, like you know, you're playing the claw game at Chuck E. Cheese, and so. But you know, World Series doesn't the madness do there at the World Series, though. Like you said, it, it's it's not like a regular poker room when they do it. it. Now they've they've sort of made it better, but back then it was like. You know, you're in the Amazon room and he's sharing it with the World Series tournaments. It's like, yeah, yeah, and like, exactly. there, there's no, I mean, there's a cashier and stuff, but it's not the same as a poker room that's been built for this moment. And these people are running around crazy. You know, it, it, the cash games were crazy during the, the World Series back then. I mean, I don't know if they are like, nah, I haven't been there in a while, but uh, that was pretty funny. Yeah. If I, I did see Pink Floyd, but I did see Ozzy Osbourne on Sunday. <laughs> yes, yes. You and your freaking metal. He still got it, man. He's, uh, I didn't How would he you was. know? It's the only time you've ever seen him. No, but I mean, he was good. So I yeah, mean, you, I, you, you still got it. When you tell somebody they still got it, it means you know what you it was. It. If he either has it or he doesn't. You he's don't know if he has it because he could have been way better ago. than that. How would you know? He could have been better 20 years ago, but I don't know. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying he still got it. So How do you know he still got it? Because he sounded good. He's you heard it. him once. You don't even know what good is until you've heard him 20 years ago. I think he sounds better than he ever had until he's got it. <laughs> well, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Did you see Paul Giamatti there? I did not see him there. Uh, but there Taylor. was a wine garden there, so I should have. Oh. 
Uh, find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been, email us at podcast at com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker, Elliot Schechter, tell you how he would have ruled. Do you think they know where to email us yet? Uh, probably not, but maybe we should I, say again. Podcast at com. <laughs> Our good friend Vic G is in the news again. He says we're at a nine-handed table playing one 2 null and hold'em. The player in the one seat has been getting up from the table at various times, coming back now and again to play in orbit. The dealer is never quite sure uh, if he's there or not. In this hand, the player raises to $15 and gets six callers, including the player in seat one, who comments that he's priced in and tosses in the two extra red $5 chips. As the dealer collects the bets, he absentmindedly mucks seat one's cards as they were unprotected and sitting very close to his left hand. These two cards are brought into the muck, which only contain the four cards from the two players who folded preflop. Seat one speaks up, but it's too late as his cards are well mixed into the small muck. The player in seat three says to the dealer that he was watching and proceeds to point out which of the six cards in the muck belong to seat one. He's pretty confident that those two cards in question are the bottom two. There's some discussion at the table among players as to whether the hand is retrievable. The dealer smartly calls the four. The four verifies with seat three as to which two of the six-month cards he believes belong to seat one. She then has a private conversation with seat one, where he whispers what he remembers his whole cards to be. At least that is what he we, we can assume. The four then peeks at the two cards in question and returns them to seat one. That hand ends with seat one's flop straight with 10-7 stacking seat three the player who made it possible for C1's hand to be retrieved. What a terrible and unusual bad beat. Did the floor rule correctly? <laughs> well, first of all, I'm going to say that I uh, edited the, this letter down because I know you like brevity, right? Yes. And um, so then I went to read Elliot's response, and I had to go back in and add information because he makes reference to some of it. Oh, <laughs> so. man. Uh, but he says, uh, Elliot says, I don't know which is funnier, a guy raising under the gun and helping his opponent to stay in the hand, or a guy raising 10-7 under the gun and upset that it didn't hold up. Combining both of these makes it quite tragically comic. Uh, I get that this hand wasn't strong enough to slow play, but I digress. The whispering <laughs> of a retrieved hand to confirm it is obsolete. A hand is, a hand is clearly identifiable and retrievable, or it is not. Whispering its contents to confirm the two cards is redundant at best and allows a shot taker one lottery ticket at a draw of desired card of cards. Players' cards are closer to the muck than that than the players' chips. The dealer correctly placed the hand in the muck. It was the actual mucking of the hand that the dealer screwed up. A correctly mucked hand should never be identifiable unless it is the only hand in the muck. In any event, when the hand was given back and declared live, that was the time for objections or a surveillance request. With no objections, play moved on accordingly, and the result stood without protest. I don't mind the outcome based on the reading of the situation. I do mind players not protecting their hands, and I also mind dealers not knowing how to or being too lazy to bother to muck hands correctly. I don't know about this. I I think that if he didn't protect his cards, he should have got his money back, and that's the end of it. Give him his give him the money back because the flop hasn't come out. You can't get your money back. All right. Well, the dealer made a mistake too. Maybe they split the difference. <laughs> give him seven fifty. Yeah. <laughs> You remember, you know the amount of angle shots they'll be taking if that's a new policy. I so know, I know. You got to treat players uh, like kids. You got to keep reinforcing. Don't touch the stove, idiot. Yeah. Well, yeah, the second time you brought, brought idiot on the show today. I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> keep saying idiot. Can't just leave your cards unprotected, and particularly if you're a guy that decides I need to get up every three yeah. seconds to go do something, then you've got to be even more laser focused on protecting your cards when you actually do. Uh, show your fellow players the courtesy of actually playing cards with them, right? Yeah. I have no compassion for that guy whatsoever. Um, and I think it's interesting because we, we've had, what, three people that have done their call to the floor uh, over the years, I think, right? Uh -huh. And uh, I know at least one was a fan of the Whisper Rule at one point. Now, of course, it's been several years, and as Elliot says, it's um, it's obsolete now. But that used to be a common thing that, oh, hey, just whisper him to me, and if they're right, you win. Um but I'm glad it's not anymore. I like what Elliot said. It's you know it's a lottery ticket. I mean, I guess it's a pretty embarrassing one if you say, yeah, well, I had Ace of Spades, Ace of Hearts, and, uh, and the floor looks at all 18 cards there, and there's no aces anywhere, right? Right. 
Um, but you know, I, if it works, it works, I guess if it gets you in. Um, but all it does is reinforce that if you are sloppy and you don't protect your cards, that you still have a chance to get them back. So that just means you're going to continue to be sloppy and not protect your cards. I mean, I always hate when the dealers take the cards that they shouldn't, but, and there are times where dealer acts so quickly that even I've actually seen dealers grab cards, even though they've been capped and it's been too hard to catch it. Those ones I feel bad about, but you know, if you you are disrespecting your table by getting up and leaving, and then you're just leaving cards there when you were in seat one, which is seat one and seat ten, you yeah, know, yeah. you've got to be extra vigilant when you're in those two because it's too easy for the dealer to accidentally do it. I uh, have no uh, no compassion for you. You're out, no money back. Play better next time. And if they want to do the whispering, and you have the gall to name two cards. I say if those two cards aren't in the deck, you're out. You get thrown out. You're oh, gone. yeah, you're done. Yep, you're yep, done. Yeah. If you're gone, like you have to go home. And if you do it again some other time, then you're banned because yep. you're clearly trying to angle shoot and lie, and you're trying to cheat. That's it. You're gone. That will make people be like, oh, all right, I'm going to tell you the truth. I had 10-7. <laughs> I didn't have any ACs. I had 10-7. So. All right, and a little tip to our listeners here too, as well too. Now we all know that the rule is that you are supposed to protect the integrity of the game, however you can. So you know, if you see a pot being pushed the wrong way, speak up, um, or anything like that. So I'm not encouraging not to do that. But if you are in a hand, don't go out of your way to try to get a hand out of the muck that can beat you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what Boy Scout badge you get for doing that. It's probably a really good one, but <laughs> think about what you're doing here. I mean, that's not an integrity to the game thing. This guy made a mistake. His hand got mucked. Too bad, so sad. Yeah. But And I'm sure this guy will never, ever do that again. Now. Stack them, too. Yeah. Oh, man. Unbelievable. But, you know, some people just can't help themselves. They have to, like, be paying attention to everything and be the second dealer at the table. And I guess that's what this guy got for his. Well, maybe but, he's being greedy, too. Maybe he's like, hey, I want more money in the pocket because I got aces or whatever. It's true. Yeah. Exactly. Unbelievable. But. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are seated in a $1, $2, no limit hold'em casino cash game. We sat down with $200 and have around $275. We've been playing for roughly two hours, so we have a pretty good feel for the table and our opponents. The blinds post, and the under the gun makes the standard 5x raise to $10. This guy is a pretty solid player, but he c-bets entirely too often, and once he's taken an aggressive line, he doesn't know when to give in. He started the hand with around $250. It's folded to us in the cutoff, and we look down at the ten of diamonds, ten of clubs. This is a decent hand, perhaps a raising hand, but we're just going to make the call and see what our opponent does from here. The rest of the players get out of the way, and with about $20 in the pot, the flop is the queen of spades, queen of diamonds, tray of clubs. Immediately, almost before the dealer was done dealing the flop, the end of the gun throws out three red chips for a bet of $15. I'm really not buying that he has ace-queen just yet. We make the call. There's an even $50 in the pot, and the turn is the nine of hearts. So close. Again, our opponent almost immediately bets out for $30. Why so fast? We think for a while and decide that we still are probably ahead. We call. There's one ten in the pot, and the river is the four of spades. Our opponent hesitates only slightly before counting out $75 and putting it into the pot. So, are queens and tens good here? What's the move? All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antietmagazine.com. That's podcast at antietmagazine.com. <laughs> Where? Podcast at antietmagazine.com. Ah, okay, good. <laughs> If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. David Bloomberg, our favorite Survivor fan. Is yes. Back. And uh, let's see. Uh, boy, you can tell this one's uh, old. Welcome back. While you're all gallivanting around Europe, I stopped by Cincinnati and played a Jack Casino one evening. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to reveal this stuff, Scott. You don't have to let them know that we have a hand from May. You just say, hey, I was at Jack Casino. <laughs> you know, You don't have to reveal this stuff. 
Oh, I think this is cool because at the last uh, city commission meeting, we opened uh, a time capsule from 1987, which is way cool, by the way. I mean, even though it was only, what, 30 years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, but it was still kind of cool to go look back in history. So it's nice when I can go back and say, oh, yeah, he sent us while I was gallivanting around Europe. So that's why I said it. All right. All right. So, yeah. so Scott's, Scott's theme for today is calling people an idiot and full disclosures. <laughs> All right. So there's a high hand promotion going on. Uh, where the best hand aces full or better each half hour won three hundred and sixty dollars. It's an interesting number, isn't it? I wonder yeah, if it's there's a reason for that. Anyhow, as you, anyhow, as you might expect, uh, this uh, drew in quite a, a number of players even on Sunday night. And as you also might expect, a lot of them weren't very good. Maybe they just got done with a twenty five dollar tournament, turned about <laughs> looking to play some cash. I was at a one two uh, table. Uh, I doesn't say no of them at home, but let's assume it is. Uh, filled mostly with players who are considerably worse than those I usually play against. Some don't know when to act and turn. Others stuck around with a small pair even as high cards were hitting and people were going all in around them. I had benefited from a lot of this behavior and was up about 350 after playing a couple hours. So he's won almost as much as he could if he had the high hand. Yeah, if he so. hit the high hand, right. Uh, I have uh, Ace Trey. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's see. Uh, okay. All right. He does have out of order here. So, uh, several players limp, cut off raises to seven dollars, and a fold to us in the big blind with ace tray offsuit. Fold. <laughs> well, I mean, seriously, do you play ace tray there? I, you always say that, so I never know whether you're actually serious or not. No, so I'm folding. Are you serious? I mean, we got a couple of limpers. We have other people in the pot. But we have a guy raising. And we're out of position. The rest of the hand with ace tray off. What am I hoping to do here? Flop a wheel. I'm not making the high hand. You know, what do I hope to hit with this hand? I'm out of there. Right. Against these players, obviously, he's been doing well and benefiting from it, but that doesn't mean you get sloppy and um, crazy. So, I mean, I'd play this hand maybe for a raise in the cutoff uh, against these type players, but I'm not going to call a raise from the cutoff at the big wide with that hand. Yeah, I I love these types of hands because I cannot be held responsible for whatever I offer later on. (laughs) All right, he says the cutoff has about $300 in front of him. Uh, here it says I already have $2 in. These are generally bad players, and I have a potential qualifying high hand if it hits right. Oh, there you go. <laughs> what? Wait, it's ace three off? Yeah. So he's hoping ace for aces is full? Aces is full or better. So, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Still not sure it's worth the $7. I know. At least there's an extra justification there. All right. Uh, so he says, I decided to take a flyer and call. The one concern is the cutoff is new to the table, and I know almost nothing about how he plays. I can think of at least one other concern, but that's all right. You go with that, Dave. You do you. I'll do me. <laughs> uh, the flop is Ace of Diamonds, Trey of Diamonds, Ten of Spades. And we are first act. Well, if we're truly looking to win this $360 high hand or whatever it was, then I'm not going to show a lot of aggression in this hand. I mean, if I bet and he folds, I can't make it. So might as well check and let him bet and... Just walk the dog and hope we're ahead, too. Hope he doesn't have ace-10. The Casenza. Uh, so I'm not going to show any aggression. Uh, I mean, if, I've, if that's what the justification is for playing this hand, then you need to play it accordingly. And if well, you bet out and he folds, you're not winning. You're only winning 7 bucks. Yeah, here's the thing. He didn't tell us how many other players called the $7. Right, that's, well, that was what I was going to say. It, we probably already have qualified for the hand, because normally it's like 20 bucks or something. So... We call he bet that's fourteen plus the limit. I'm sure we're already qualifying. So, yeah. so if that's your concern with not betting out, then I would not worry about it. No, no, no. But you, if you bet and they all fold, you're not getting there. Right? I'm not talking about I, the qualifying of it. I'm talking about if, if they fold, you don't. You're not going to hit the hand, so you're going to win seven dollars or whatever. I mean, you want to. This is a problem with promotions, though, because if you're trying to play for the three sixty, I know. Because um, this is a hand where, it, again, I don't know how many players are still in, but this is a hand where you could potentially win way more than 360 without hitting your boat, right? Right. Maybe. And your boat should be the gravy. Well, gravy the guy, boat. Ah, look at that. <laughs> the guy only has 300. So The gravy boat. That was so awesome. But I don't know if I'd bet out, though. Well, no, I, but even if I, even hand, I wasn't too. playing for the high hand, I think I still might check and trap. You know, oh, because boy, I don't know. this hand's vulnerable. I mean, you're yeah. right. You just said somebody could have ace ten out there already. You could be behind. It'd be nice to know that now. They could have ace king, and then a ten comes on the board, and then you're, and you're screwed. All so. kinds of cards could come after this that we don't like, including diamonds. There's two diamonds on the board. Yeah. You know, queen, king, or jack could complete a straight. You know, a deuce four or five can complete a straight. 
Check raise. Uh, I'm betting pot here. I'm sorry. I'm putting the hammer down, and if people want to come along, that's great. And that's if you think about it again. If we don't obviously don't know the cutoff, that's new, and he must be the villain here. But um, this is the way you kind of play against those new players: is that they're going to stick around with anything, with any kind of draw, right? So, and bet sizing means nothing to them. So, I might as well bet the pot here and get seven people to make a mistake with their hand, and then just have to fade them which is frustrating for some people, I know. But um, I would rather get them get their money in, and if the hand holds up, going to Applebee's tonight. All right. Of course, the other thing, too, is even if he makes aces full, it doesn't necessarily mean he wins it. No, of course not. There could be a higher hand during that hour or whatever. Sure. So I would have folded this hand pre-flop, just so we know. So we're clear. <laughs> All right, here we go. Checks to see what's going to happen with the intent of seeing what the original Razor does. Two more players check as well. And the original raise on the cutoff bet's 18. And it is back to us now. Call. Just call. Yeah. Go and see if those other checkers are going to come along, get some more money in that pot. All right. A little dangerous, but could be right. A profitable player, probably, probably right. But it's, uh, I'm going to be uh, gnawing on my nails for the next two cards. Yeah. yeah that's, that. that's all right. Um, all right. Our hero says, with two pair, I'm certainly not folding. The question is whether I check, raise, or just call. I decide to just call in part because I'm still not sure where the cutoff is and in part admittedly to see if the ace hits or the high hand. I guess that's another consideration. If you're on the fence, at least these promotions help push you one way or the other, right? Right. Uh, an older woman calls as well. Uh, he says, I'm not worried about her. She just got to the table a little while ago, too, but has quickly shown herself to be pretty bad. So it looks like three-handed now. The turn is the eight of hearts, so our board is ace of diamonds, tray of diamonds, ten of spades, eight of hearts, and we are still first to act. Check. Do you yeah. need an explanation as to why I checked? I was just trying to think whether now it's the time to come alive. It probably isn't. I mean, I guess if we're going to play this passively, let's keep playing it passively and, and hope it wins. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot of money in the pot now. I mean, that, that last street added 54 to what... What easily was twenty, almost thirty before the flop. So you got almost a hundred in the pot or eighty something. So now the bets are gonna are gonna get to the point where maybe you consider taking it down now. But I'm still gonna check and then maybe raise if he checks behind. He might bet. He might put the hammer down now too because of the diamonds and the extra caller. So we'll see what happens. But a, a big ass check raise here too might help. You know, might take it down. I don't know. But I, I'm gonna check. This is that there's an eight now, so there's aces and eights on board, and uh, I heard that this guy won an Omaha hand the other day with ace. <laughs> eight. Well, he scooped. So, you know, it's a little bit more possible. But, uh, all right. Um, our hero checks. Uh, to, says to continue my plan, intending uh, to once again call the cutoff bets again, but it checks around. Nice. That's what we were hoping for. for everyone. Uh, the river is the nine of clubs. So our final board is ace of diamonds, tray of diamonds, ten of spades, eight of hearts, nine of clubs, and we are still first to act. Um, here's the deal: if you bet out and they didn't hit their draws or folding, if you bet out and the guy only has an ace, he might just show his ace jack, and then you win. But it, if you if you check, then one of them might take a stab at it. I mean, somebody could have just made a better two pair than you, a better aces up, but you know, I wouldn't mind just checking and, and if you miss a street of betting, you miss a street of betting, but you might enable someone to, to muster up the courage to bluff, so I think I might check again. Maybe I'll tell you what's sick here, and I, because most people wouldn't put anybody on this, but a straight did get there right now. It's a yeah. really straight, but I'm going to be sick if that's what happens, but uh, but yeah, I think there's just you know at this point I'm happy with the money in the pot. I'm gonna check and I'll call a decent bet and hope I take it down. And if not, I don't want to give more money to someone if they're sitting on Ace Nine and just pipped us. Yeah, like Queen Jack of Diamonds, that'd be sick. You know, like the the, the person. Well, actually, in the that would make sense because at least you're in for the plus draw. At that That's what point. I'm saying. That would be a sick hand to lose to now, though. After all that. Yeah. But we also didn't do anything to stop it. That's so true. And I complain about it. Uh, all right, our hero says, time for me to come to life and see if I can get the cutoff to call uh, call me with something like ace-king. I bet 30. Uh, the older woman folds, and then the cutoff raises raises 50. So I guess it makes it 80. 
And uh, our hero says, huh? Didn't really expect that. Busted diamond draw, lower two pair, maybe ace nine or set of nines. I don't see how Queen Jack stays there. Does he think I'm full of it because I checked, called, checked, and suddenly came out betting? Um, I got to say, I'm not really surprised by the raise there. This is why we were going to check call, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would have checked called because he still only bets 50, I think. Maybe he bets less. Maybe he bets 30. Probably bets the 30 that we bet. Yeah, and then, and then we just yeah. call it. All right, well, I'm just going to call the 50 because it's, it's a pretty big pot to not call 50 more now. Yeah, I think at this point it's unfortunate, but uh, I mean it's unfortunate we lose. It's fortunate we win. <laughs> yeah, but, I think we're going to yeah. lose, but uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind. Yeah, I, I, it feels like it's to him to be able to embolden aces up. Does he feel strong enough with aces up here? Maybe. So maybe he does. Maybe he has like ace nine. I mean, really, I mean, the only thing we can beat now is really a bluff. Or, or, I mean, this guy can't really be raising us with ace-king or ace-queen, right? Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I get lulled into by your, your spot size decision. Just, yeah, just because there's so much money out there now. But I really, I mean, but I really can't think of a hand that we beat here. 160 I mean, bucks, basically. You got about 50 to win 160 with aces up. You know, what if he had... Nine ten, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. Eight nine nine ten. Uh, this is the problem we got in by just the way we played this entire hand. I think so. Because what, what hand checks behind that just beat us on the river? You ace know? nine. Ace nine. Yeah, maybe ace nine. Because not ace eight and not ace ten. Maybe yeah, the same hand. Eight. All right. Yeah, yeah, you said be... the high hand hands too because maybe he's playing queen jack of diamonds looking to make a royal or a straight flush and now he's backed into a, a nut straight. Ugh. I'm still going to call though because I want to I want to just three and a half to one of my money or whatever. I mean with aces yeah, if up. It's almost, if he had ace tray I'm going to take that out of the range too because he had an ace tray. Why would he check behind? Well there's that and there's also I mean why would we now come alive on the river with ace tray? I mean, I guess that's what we did, so I guess we need to ask that. But, yeah. but, but at that point, if if we have a, if, if he has ace tray, he's going to raise, thinking now all of a sudden that we've been checking ace king all the way to the end, and now decide to get some value. He's got to think the same thing that we're thinking, you know, whether what can we actually beat here. So I don't think ace tray is anything. I think it could be ace nine, and it could be the sick queen jack, or it could be some other hand that has his B. I, I just don't see any hand that that we have that we can beat here. So. I think I'm changing my mind. I think I'm folding as much as it sucks, and then one of us is going to be disappointed. Wow. All right, well, I'll call and you fold. That way one of us is making the right move. All right. Well, like I said, one of us will be disappointed. I'll, be, <laughs> I'll, I'll, play, I'll play the negative role here. Okay. All right, let's see. Um, all right, our hero says, one way, in, uh, one way in which these players have been bad tonight is that I've seen – I don't even know what this means. One way, oh, one way in which these players have been bad tonight is that I've seen and played a number of hands where the stories didn't add up, and I've been right each time so far. Uh-oh. Uh, they just haven't been considering how it looks to their opponent. So since I've been right so far, I call again. Villain turns over the queen of diamonds, jack of diamonds, wow. for the nuts. Uh, he said, that's how he gets there with queen jack, looking for diamonds, and it hits runner, runner straight. Well, again, I can't fault him for that, you know? Yeah. Um... It's weird yeah, that he raised with limpers with Queen Jack, though, in the cutoff. I mean, I, I understand if you're the first to enter, you raise something like that. But when you have other guys and you have people behind you to act still, yeah, Queen Jack is like, all right, I'll come along, too, and let's see the flop. But to raise with it, you, sometimes it's hard to put him on Queen Jack there for that that fact alone. It's weird that we specifically pulled that one hand out because that's what, that's what made sense. What hand yeah. could do that and get to the end? Because when you said Queen Jack didn't make sense, I'm like, well, if it was diamonds, it did. Yeah. yeah, well, and and, and I, David seems to be upset with this because it wasn't just a diamond draw; it was also a straight draw. I mean, yeah. king at any point. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the turn gave you even more outs, which he ended up hitting. So, um, you know, I, I'm trouble have trouble criticizing our opponent too much here. But, yeah. Um. Uh. Dave says in reviewing the hand and talking to the villain afterwards, I wondered if I misplayed it because of the promotion. I think you did. Mm-hmm. I watch out for those promotions. Uh, but I realized there was basically no way I was ever getting him off his hand. He was calling a raise on the flop because of his second nut flush draw, and he was calling a bet on the turn because of that same draw, plus a gut shot. 
on the river, he really didn't think I was bluffing and didn't expect me to call it her a bit. So my slow playing of the hand actually did serve to hide my strength and would have been good if he hadn't river the nuts. Uh, oh, well, that was the only significant lost hand of the session. And I soon won that money back from bad players at the table. So all that ends well ends well. Or something like yeah, that. on the turn, he didn't even have a gutter. He had an open-ended at the turn. The turn gave yeah. him an open-ender. So at that point, man, he's not going anywhere. And, well, let me ask you this, because he mentioned that there's no way I was getting him off the hand, and that's probably correct. But is that what we wanted to do here? I mean, wouldn't we want him to make a bad decision, even if he wasn't going to get off the hand? Yeah, you know we, what I mean. We, yeah, we aren't. Yeah, we always want draws in there with us. That's how we make our money. Yeah, you we know? just need to price him, make him a, a set him a wrong price that right. he ends up. So if you, do it, do, if you do it all the time, you'll always make money because you keep setting the wrong price for them. They're going to keep calling, and they're going to keep missing their draws, and you're going to keep making money on them. And then when the one time they do catch up to you like you did here, well, then you pay the price, and then you, you start over again. But you're going to ultimately make the most amount of money if you're making draws pay the wrong price. So I don't I don't know if necessarily you want them. Sometimes I want to thin the field, and I want them off the hand because I don't want them. This guy had a ton of outs against us. Um so yeah, I don't. Sometimes I want to draw them off. Like think about, in this case, we had Ace Trey, but if he had uh, a pair in there as well, he could have had a bunch of other cards too to make three of a kind. I mean, so there's a lot of things that you know you're not going to get them off. So, but if he has a lot of outs, you're kind of like, eh, I don't want that to get there for free. So I got to set a price that's going to be costly to him. That's why we say that because we want them to pay the price that if they do get there. All right, you know what we lost, but. In the long run, you're going to make money. It's kind of like we talk about with limit and how limits a, a science. When yeah, you play same limit. thing. We're trying to get people off hands and limit too. Yeah. So, but I actually never really realized that until now that that's actually a flaw and no limit for some players too. Always trying to get people off hands instead of getting them to pay a bad price. Right. Right. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that's uh, when I say I want to get somebody off a hand. It's like I'm basically saying I have the second best hand. And I want to make him think his best hand isn't good exactly. enough. Exactly. That makes sense. To right. Me, but, um, but in these drawing situations, you know, yeah, you do want them to, you don't want them to hit their hand, but you'd yeah, rather have them call and miss than call and make, obviously. So, right. but I wouldn't have played Ace Trey from the beginning. It's just so clear. I, w- <laughs> I would have laid that hand down despite this awesome high hand promotion you yeah, are. Hey, don't get sucked in by the promotions, folks. <laughs> if, it, if it helps your hand, that's great, but uh, don't don't make a bad poker decision just to win a promotion. Yeah, let it be the bonus that it's supposed to be. Don't let it be the driving force that you make bad decisions and lose 80 bucks on. So Exactly. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.